most of us would have been on this journey with us have been, have been, as we've been sitting in Galatians 5.1. And I hope you have it memorized by now. This. Sorry. All right, we got this. Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that you've been set free. Anybody experiencing freedom in these last few weeks? It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Do not entangle yourselves again with what you've been set free from. We've been considering this life of freedom that Jesus has brought us into by his blood. We are free, absolutely free. But we still, because of this world we live in and the flesh that we are existing with we can be entangled or caught up or have complicated relationships with the thing that Christ has set us free from if you're human you know what I'm talking about well I thought God set me free from this thing why am I still drawn why am I still tripping up well this is what we're considering what it means to practice freedom and walk in the fullness of what God has for us and everything that he provided in Jesus it's for freedom's sake that you've been set free. Well, there's one thing I need you to know today as we continue this journey. That freedom isn't just for your sake. It's not just for your sake that you've set, been set free. I want to consider what this means for us today. Even in light of the baby that was just dedicated named Paradise and the thoughts and the prayers that went into her identity and how she was named. So we're going to read a passage out of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 47. And many of us would be familiar with this passage, but if we're not, this is a vision that this prophet Ezekiel gets and he's been taken around the temple he's been taken around this picture of what's to come he's been shown by this shown around by this man and he comes to this place and he starts measuring out the temple in this vision that he's having and we're going to read this together and today we're going to read out of the message paraphrase because of the color and the imagery that we get through it and if you want to pick this up in the NIV or other translations feel free to do so but we're going to read together out of the message. It says this, Now he brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water pouring out from under the temple porch to the east. The temple faced east. The water poured from the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then took me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the gate complex on the east. The water was gushing from under the south uh, front of the temple. And then he walked to the east with a measuring tape and measured off 1,500 feet, leading me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another 1,500 feet, leading me through water that was knee deep. And he measured off another 1,500 feet, leading me through water waist deep. And he measured off another 1,500 feet. By now, it was a river over my head, water to swim in, water no one could possibly walk through. So what we see here is a vision, a man 
walking a prophet through this vision of the temple and he starts measuring out this temple and then all of a sudden he notices that water is coming out of the temple gushing out and he takes him further and it's ankle deep he takes him further it's knee deep take him further and it's waist deep and then all of a sudden it's so deep that he has to swim in it in order to move through it it's the vision that he's unfolding for him and then he says this son of man have you had a good look Can you see what's happening here? For the rest of us, I just would ask that we just stand together. And I want you to close your eyes as we read together. I want you to visualize what's happening here as we read this imagery. Son of man, have you had a good look? Then he took me back to the riverbank. While sitting on the riverbank, I noticed a lot of trees on both sides of the river. He told me this water flows east, descends to the Arabah, and then into the sea, the sea of stagnant waters, the Dead Sea. And when this river enters into those stagnant waters, the sea, the Dead Sea, will become fresh. Wherever the river flows, life will flourish. Great schools of fish because the river is turning the salt sea into fresh water. Where the river flows, life abounds. And fishermen will stand shoulder to shoulder along the shore from the En Gedi all the way to the En Eglim, casting their nets. The sea will teem with fish of all kinds, like the fish of the great Mediterranean. And the swamps and the marshes won't become fresh. They'll stay salty. Or the translations say, for salt. Verse 12, but the river itself on both banks will grow fruit trees of all kinds. And their leaves won't wither and the fruit won't fail. And every month they'll bear fresh fruit because the river from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for this vision. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have a plan, not just for our lives and for our families, but for the world. And God, today we stand in the midst of that plan. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word. Thank you that you have come to lead us. So in you, none of us are lost. You have found us. So we give you our hearts, we give you our minds, we give you our lives. We just ask that we leave with a fresh revelation and knowing of who you are and who we are in you. And it would radically change our lives for every area of brokenness in this space right now, for every relational dysfunction, for every bodily pain, infirmity, for every mindset of suffering. Lord, I pray that your spirit and your word would wash us and cleanse us and heal us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. You guys can take a seat.
What a vision. Thank you, Jen. Ezekiel 47, this beautiful vision of a temple, water flowing from the temple becomes a river, and whatever the river touches, it flourishes. I love what Jesus is about to do. There's a man, um, controversial man, but controversial men can say good things too. Um, I won't even say his name, but for the sake of your souls, everybody's going to Google after this. He said this. He said, happiness is a moral obligation. I don't know if you've ever considered that before. Happiness is a moral obligation. And by that, he means we owe it to the people in our lives to be happy. Think of the effects of a happy father in a home. Am I not morally obliged to bring happiness to my home for the sake of my kids? Or a happy wife in a marriage or a happy boss or entrepreneur for the sake of his team? We're morally obliged to be happy. There was a a time a number of years ago where I bought my wife a little porcelain tag to kind of think of like a Christmas ornament or something like that. But she hung it in the bathroom and on it, it said, today I choose to be happy because it is good for my mental health. I bought it for her. (laughs) Because isn't it true that her choosing to be happy is also good for my mental health? (laughs) We're morally obliged to be happy. Now this isn't coming from scripture, but it's not so far off from what we've been invited to in the scripture. So in the same way, I think that we are morally obliged to be happy, what we're considering in the last few weeks is that we're actually morally obliged to live in freedom. That you, as one who knows him, is obligated to live in freedom. Because freedom isn't just for your sake. Freedom is for the world's sake. But many of us don't consider that Us walking in freedom means something for more than just our own lives. Now, if you're married, you know the effect of your own soul on your spouse, on your kids, in your workplace. But what about for the world around us? Could freedom for you be something that God wants to give the world through you? You have a part to play in what he wants to do. It's not just for your sake. This is the wide-reaching implication of what we've been talking about the last few weeks. You think we've been talking about money? No, we've been talking about freedom. It matters that we grapple with what's in front of us in this regard because there's implications for what God wants to do in the world around you. So I have a question over these last few weeks. Do you want to live in freedom? Good. Because the world around you needs you to live in freedom. This is not for pressure, right? Because you cannot free yourself. It's not about beating yourself and saying, I'm doing a bad job, but I need to do better so everybody else can live in freedom. That's not freedom. You can't do it yourself, right? The more you try to free yourself, the more enslaved you'll become to the idea. 
And that's why many of us are here, because we our lives to sort things out in our minds and in our hearts and our workplace and our bank. Our lives to sort things out in our minds and in our hearts and our workplace and our bank account and our relationships. And we can't do it. So we surrender to the one who sets us free. That comes from God. But we have to learn what it means to live in it. It's the same conversation we've been having about freedom. He set you free once and for all. But now we are obligated to learn what it means to live in the freedom he purchased for you. It's the same conversation about grace. It's all the same thing. He poured out his grace upon you on the cross. You didn't do anything for it. Now we need to live in his grace. But again, it's not just for your own well-being. It's for those around you. So Ezekiel 47. It's this vision of the temple. But the idea that's being presented here wasn't a new idea. God had already given them the design of the temple. This is, this is old covenant, like, advanced. Like, they had been through renditions of the temple. There's a design that was already given, and here's this design for this new temple. The prophet Ezekiel must have been, God, there's already something that exists, and you're showing it to me again, but something was different about it this time. There was water coming out of it. Like there was a, a, a leak that sprung and was flowing out of this temple. But what we have to understand about even this new temple, what is, it was the same thing that it always was. It was God's house. The scriptures say that it was a sanctuary, a place for God. But something about this vision of God's sanctuary was new. The water would come out and it got deeper and deeper and deeper until they couldn't walk they couldn't wait anymore they had to swim it was so deep and then on every side of this river that was flowing from the sanctuary was full of life even the sea that was dead became alive because of this river that was coming from the temple and then we have this language from Eugene Peterson he says wherever the river flows life will flourish where the river flows, life abounds. This is good news. What a beautiful vision. I want to read this. But the river itself on both banks will grow fruit trees of all kinds. Their leaves won't wither and the fruit won't fail. And every month they'll bear fresh fruit because the river from the sanctuary flows to them. And their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. So what was different about this vision of the temple was that what was formerly bound to the temple was now flowing from the temple, from the sanctuary. The temple was an excluded temple in touching the world. This is what was new. And wherever that river go, went, it was nourishing and it was healing everything that it touched. Now, let me ask you, does our world right now not need nourishing? And he, families walking through for what the state of the city is, for what is happening in the Middle East right now. And we see his plan right here in Ezekiel 47, the water flowing from the temple. And whatever it touches, it brings nourishment and healing. Whoo, this is changing. This is exciting. God has vision for this world. He has a plan. But God's vision 
for healing and nourishment starts with your freedom. Freedom is not just for your sake. It's for the sake of the world around you. Thank you, Lee J. I want you to get this today. I'm not going to rush past it. It is for freedom's sake that you've been set free. Not just for your sake, but for the world around you. Are you guys ready for this message? All right. Jesus said something peculiar in the book of John. He said, out of your bellies. Whose bellies? All those that would believe. Out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water. The vision of this temple is the vision of your life. It's no longer a building. It's the people of God in which the rivers will flow from to touch the world. You walking in cannot flow. God's plan cannot get him with us. We're obligated to walk in freedom. This is vision. But we are from. We are not the There is a sanctuary. His presence. The garden. Was it not the This is a place God designed his people flourish. Was it not beautiful? Perfect. God's reintroducing the book of Ezekiel. Every month, every month the fruit. <laughs> there you go. I'm raking a lot of don't wither. There's no raking in the garden. Was initially so the there's brokenness that came in compromise the place where he introduced. We're gonna go to Bible school. This idea. Place called the thing. Can everybody say attentive? Really important. Got a beautiful heaven and earth met in the same place. Holy Spirit comes. Church, heaven and earth meet in the same place. And then what flows from that place? Touches and blesses the entire world. Because of his desire for heaven to touch earth. No longer a tent, no longer a temple. It's his people. This is his plan. So may the water from the sanctuary, from heaven, flow and touch earth. You can say amen. But friend, it happens through us. What about the Middle East right now? What are your thoughts about it? 
Maybe keep them to yourself. <laughs> but when it all boils down, people in powerful positions dealing with the same thing that you and I are all dealing with. Slaves to ideas, to power, to deception, to insecurity, to fear, to money. We think it's this big issue, but behind the big issue are just people. We're trying to work out what it means to be human. But they don't know that they're actually slaves to ideas. Slaves to power, slaves to fear, slaves to insecurity. And here we are meeting with the one who has set us free. And we think our opinions or our solutions are going to solve that problem. No, Jesus has one solution. He set us free by his blood on the cross, and now he has free people through which he can move his presence into this earth. That's his plan. That's his solution. Not foreign policy. That stuff matters, but he's going to move that stuff through his people. Where are his people through which a river can flow in the positions of power and influence and policy? We have to understand what we're part of. We make much of Illuminati. Let's go here. Or of these secret societies. And we think they're... (laughs) Did you not know what you're part of? Did you not know that you're part of the Most High's plan? To get heaven into the earth. It's not just for your sake that you've been set free. It's for the sake of others that you've been set free. You, my friend, have an obligation to live in the freedom that he's given for you. That's not just good news for you. That's good news for the world. We are that river. Out of your bellies will flow that river. And whatever that river touches... It nourishes and it heals. The church can't stand back and wave opinions and say, I hope this happens and this happens. No. We pray for the people that are on the ground. We pray that people encounter Jesus. They're set free and then they move that influence into their region. Don't we think revival can come to those nations? Of course they can. That's his plan. But he's going to move it through his people. Church has got to become the church. Solution for the crisis in the Middle East is the same one you and I need for what we're walking through in our personal lives. We need the realities of heaven to touch earth. Scriptures say that he is the desire of all nations. You know what that means? In everything they're looking for, they're actually looking for him. They just don't know it. And every need and desire and every response to fear and insecurity, it's actually just crying out for him. And here we are. We have him. So the people of God, you and I, we stand in the crossroads. Heaven touching earth doesn't happen around you. It happens through you. So the question is, what does God want to bring to the earth through you? But, Ryan, we're talking about money. 
We're talking about possessions, aren't we? I'm still talking about that today. Oh, I can't wait to go here. And we're talking about freedom in that place. Yes, absolutely we are. And I need to make some connections today. We're not considering freedom in finance and money just for your blessing. Because what you think about possessions can change the world. Let me say that one more time. What you think about what's in your hands can change the world. And I'm not talking about giving donations. I'm talking about what you think of what's in your hands can and will change the world. Can we make some connections today? This is the word of God. Matthew 6. We've been here before. This is Jesus speaking. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Remember four weeks ago we asked the question, what in the world does that mean? Well, here we go. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. These are the words of Jesus, not a sly preacher on a Sunday morning. Some of our hearts need to be checked that way. And if you're feeling tension around talking about money, this is Jesus, your king, speaking. Not me. But what Jesus is actually talking about here in Matthew 6 is that your portfolio. For real. Bunch of creatives, no stock investors in here, okay. He's talking about your portfolio. Where are you investing? On earth or in heaven? Binary. Which one? What has your heart? He's saying if your heart is in the realities of heaven, your treasure will be in heaven. And remember, it's God's desire that the reality of heaven touches earth. Heaven is not a far off land that you'll discover when you get there. No. Heaven is now. In communion with him, heaven is to know him and be in his presence. That is heaven. When you're invested in that place, no one can steal it away from you. Okay, so we're going to time travel a little bit. We're going to go back to Exodus chapter 25. It's an important moment in the journey of Israel. Remember, they're released miraculously from slavery by Moses. God comes with his powerful hands, releases them from slavery by the blood of the lamb, and this points to the cross, right? This all points somewhere. It points to the blood of Jesus shed on the cross for you and I. It's a big deal, released from slavery. But now that they're released, they're learning who this God is and how to walk with him. They're learning in the same breath who they are in walking with this God. This is all the context of what's happening here. They're learning how to walk in this newfound freedom. That's, that's, I want to set the stage here. They're like you and I. We're set free, but we're still figuring out in our lives what it means to walk free. And if you haven't figured that out fully yet, you're in good company. This really matters. This narrative really matters, and it points to something in our heart. Because beneath it all, and God's motivation through it all, we get this from Genesis 12. He says, I want to bless you, nation, so abundantly that the world through you will be blessed. God wanted to get something in them so he could get something through them. In other words, they were morally obligated to walk in blessing. 
Because if they didn't walk in blessing, the world around them could not be blessed. They stood in the position of receiving the blessing so they could give the blessing. This was God's plan. And friend, it's no different for you and I. We have a moral obligation to walk in his freedom so his plan and purpose can happen through you in the world. So if they weren't blessed, the world couldn't be blessed. And then what God was saying to them, and Moses picked this up in Exodus 33, he said this. Well, God was saying this through Moses. He said, what will distinguish you from all the other nations will be my presence. The blessing that you need and the world needs is my presence. In other words, knowing me will be the difference. To know him and to serve him, that is true freedom, what God is saying. Can we make some connections? To know God and to serve God is true freedom. As the people of God, I think we should be wholehearted in our agreement with that. It's not found in any other place except through surrender to him. And so then God designs this place because he says, my presence will be the difference. It will be blessing. God designs this place called the tabernacle where I will meet you, he says. It's the tent of meeting, like we said. Earthly copy of a heavenly reality. This is this design, a place where I will meet you. But here's the, the reality. It had to be built. It had to be made with human hands and with physical materials. The space that God wanted to meet his people required partnership. So Exodus 25, Moses is up on a mountain talking with God. And God says this to him. Tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering from me from everyone whose heart prompts them to give. These are the offerings you are to receive from them, gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, goat hair, ramskins, dyed red, and other types of durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones, and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them and make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I show you. So Moses is up on a mountain talking with God, getting these designs from God about the space that he wants to live in, okay? Because my blessing in this nation will be my presence in it. So create a space by my design in which I can live with my people. Build me a place for my presence. So this is happening up on a mountain. Meanwhile, down the mountain, at the same time, the people are getting angsty. It's like millions of people. Where is our leader? We don't have Moses. What in the world is going on? He's up on a mountain talking with God. What about us? And so they look at Moses' brother. This is Exodus 32. Aaron. Say, Aaron, make us gods. We need to see something. We need to follow something. And so Aaron's like, give me all your gold earrings. And he takes the gold earrings and he throws them in the fire. And he fashions this golden calf out of these gold earrings. Same time, God's like, I want you to build a tabernacle for me. And the people down here are like, where's God? Where's their leader? Let's build idols that we can follow. 
In other words, we don't know what to do with this freedom you gave us. We're lost. We're confused. We're disoriented in this newfound space. So Aaron says, give me your gold. And then when Moses comes down, he's like, I don't know what happened. I just threw gold into the fire and out popped this calf. <laughs> and literally, that's what the Bible says. So up the mountain, God's saying, bring me these materials so I can make a dwelling amongst my people. And down the mountain, Aaron is saying, bring the, me these materials so that I can make you an idol to follow. My question in this, they were just slaves. Where in the world did they get these materials from? How are slaves in the wilderness walking around with gold earrings? Exodus 3. This was God's promise. When they're delivered, God was saying to Moses, he says, I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed towards this people so that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. And every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing, which you will put on your sons and your daughters. And so you will plunder the Egyptians. So what's happening here in Exodus 32 is that they literally made an idol out of the favor of God. God gives them all of this gold and all of this material. He's got a plan for it. But in Moses' absence, they're like, we need something to follow. They take the favor of God, these earrings, and make an idol out of it. So God wanted to give them his presence, but they were desperate for an image to follow. Because it's easier to follow an image, isn't it, than to follow his presence? Because it's what we're used to seeing, it's what we've known. And we can do that in church too, can't we? An image of what it's supposed to be. Or in business, an image of what success looks like. Or in family, an image over here. And God says, no, don't follow an image, follow my presence. But you're going to have to create a space in which you can interact with my presence. It's called the sanctuary. God wanted to show them something new. But they still were working out their complicated relationships with what God set them free from. When they were in Egypt, they had these gods to follow. They had these idols that they could find security in. In fact, when they made this idol, Aaron said, let us worship it as a festival to Yahweh. It wasn't this idol or Yahweh. It was two in the same space. So why Jesus comes on the scene and says, you can't worship both God and money. If money's in the mix, you're going to be worshiping it. You have to choose one or the other because you'll either be a slave to one or to the other. So God's angry about this because he has a plan, remember, to bless. And they were now walking outside of blessing, back into slavery. So, and God's not happy about it. Moses intercedes. God, hold off your anger. We're going to figure this out. And so God relents a little bit. But Moses comes down and things get ugly, gets messy. You can read this in Exodus 32. So Exodus 25, God gives the design. Exodus 32. They're making an idol out of the favor of God. Exodus 35, 
Moses then comes to the people with God's design. And we're going to read it one more time. Are you guys with me? Yeah. Okay, good. Exodus 35, it says, Moses said to the whole Israelite community, this is what the Lord has commanded. Listen to that word. This is what God has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing, can you say willing? willing. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yawn, and fine linen, goat hair, ramskin, dyed red, and other type of durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spice for anointing oil, and all this fragrant incense, and onyx stones, and other gems to be mounted on ephod and breastpiece. Like, this is God's interior design. This is what he likes. In verse 20, it says, Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence. And everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work of the tent of meeting, for all its service and for the sacred garments. Some language that we have to grapple with here. It says, God commanded that this building be built, this tabernacle be built. But only those who were willing and whose hearts moved them were required to bring an offering. So you got all these commands, you got all the law, you must, you must, you must. And then there's this one space where God says, only if you're willing. There's a sacred space. God wanted to know in his people what decision they would make in the freedom that they had. The scriptures say that this was a free will offering. In other words, the offering had to come from a place of them acknowledging that they didn't have to do it. But they wanted to because they were in the freedom that God had purchased for them. In other words, God is saying this. I don't want what's in your hands if I don't have your heart. This really matters. If you have an issue with the church and money... Look here, God doesn't want your money. Don't bring it unless it's a free will offering. This is New Testament, Paul's language, when he says God loves a cheerful giver. It doesn't mean much to him if your heart's not attached to it, so don't give begrudgingly. Only those who are willing and whose hearts move them are required to bring something that will build this sanctuary. Remember, this is bookend by commands. But there's this one space of reprieve where it's not up to his, you will, it's up to yours. What God is doing is he's teaching his children an expression of freedom. This is what it looks like to walk in freedom. Only if you're willing. They had to make the choice, but the choice revealed who they knew their God to be. So remember, they were slaves. They didn't have all this gold. God gave them favor and it fell into their hands. He wanted them to make that connection before he wanted them to give anything to him. If you understood who it was who gave you this and where it come from, that you started with nothing and now you have all of this. I want you to decide what you should do with it. Not one of us in life has started with nothing. Everyone started with something. 
scriptures say that God gives seed to the sower. If you have anything in your life, it originated in him. But there's a space that he wants us to come to to recognize that this didn't come from me in the first place. So if God has a design in something that he wants to build, he can have whatever he's given me in the first place. But he's not strong-arming them. He's not manipulating them. He's saying, have you made the connection yet of where you got this from? But he's also saying, if you don't bring it here, you're liable to make an idol with it. All of this came from him. What God wanted to know at this point of the journey was where their hearts were. What do you consider real blessing? My presence or your possessions? Please, I'm, I'm, I know you guys well. Stay with me because we're working somewhere, okay? What do you consider real blessing? My presence or your possessions? That was the question. It wasn't just a beautiful building. It was the place of his presence. Are you invested in that or are you invested in this? God knew the answer. Now he wanted to know what his people thought. He's not after your money. He's not after your time. He's not after your talents to use and abuse you. He's after your heart. But this isn't just a romantic notion. The tent that was being built wasn't just a dwelling place for God. God wasn't this like spirit that had no place to go, that was frustrated, that needed to... No. It wasn't just a dwelling place. It was a meeting place. It was a place where God and his people met. This is important. Hang on to this. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. But is there a place that he wanted to go where people could come and meet him? This is significant. It's where the heart of God met with the heart of his people. Because the blessing for the nation wasn't just God's presence. It was when his presence and their presence was in the same place at the same time. The blessing was the influence of his presence in and through his people. I'm about to preach, but I want you to get this. God is everywhere all the time. God is in the Middle East right now. God is over here right now. God is over here right now. But where is this space where God and his people are at the same place at the same time? That's what mattered. That's why a tabernacle had to be built. So that it could meet with the representatives of the people, the priests. And he, the priests could bring the influence of God to the people. It was a meeting place. This is why it couldn't just be built with their hands. It had to be built with their hearts. It had to be built with an expression of freedom. Or else it was an illegitimate space. Oh, I need this to get in. Jesus. He said, only those who are willing to give up what everybody else is clamoring for. Only those whose hearts move them are required to bring something because those are only the materials that I want. 
I don't want something else if you're forced to give it because this space where you meet and I meet needs all of your heart, not just your hands. So if your heart's not in it, leave your stuff at home. This is, this is, ooh, let's go. Jesus, please. Lord, help me get this revelation out. It had to be an expression of freedom, not compulsion. Because the implications of that space mattered more than they thought. Jesus. Can we just close our eyes real quick? Jesus, Holy Spirit, come. Do what you want to do. In Jesus' name. In other words, the only way that these offerings were legitimate is if they made the connection that the one who set me free gave these to me. They had to make the connection. If he's asking for it, in other words, he can just give me more. It came from him in the first place, so I'm not stressed about where it goes. I didn't work for this. I didn't make this happen. He gave it to me so I can give it back to him. But even if he doesn't, what is being built here is more valuable than any security I have in my possessions. It was a place of meeting. It was the place where heaven touched earth. It was the sanctuary. He's asking, what is more important to you, me or what I give you? Because when you aim at one, you get both. If you aim at the other, you might miss both. It was those who treasured his presence that were invited to build a place for his presence. Oh, I'm so jealous for this word. By the way, it wasn't just their possessions. God called them to build with their skills, too. It's not just about money. It's with their hearts. So the tabernacle is with them as they journeyed, right? Old Testament, the space of meeting, the space of presence. And then again, David said, I have a palace. You have a tent. Let's build a temple. That temple is destroyed. Another temple is built, and then Jesus says, I'm going to destroy this temple and raise it up in three days. This is my church. Ephesians 2, Paul says, in him, you too, you, us, are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We are now the sanctuary. Okay? We are the place that God meets his people. That's where we come. That's where we gather. But this sanctuary is built the same way as the tabernacle was with our hearts it's a space it's only a it's only a sanctuary if it's a space where his heart meets our hearts meaning if you don't come to the plate the way that it's designed then it's not going to be what it's supposed to be it has to be with your hearts we have to invest our hearts when you can bring him what's in your hands because he has your heart this is the greatest expression of freedom Because you cannot, Jesus says, separate 
what's in your hands, possessions from what's in your heart. This is an invitation to build a sanctuary for the Old Testament, an invitation to build a sanctuary with their possessions and with their skills. And what he was doing in inviting them to build with him is inviting them into freedom. He set them free, and now it's time to practice freedom. Okay? And so it is for us. Jesus says, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. This is the expression of freedom. When your treasure is in heaven, your heart will be in heaven too. So in other words, the sanctuary still exists. But the sanctuary is no longer a building. The sanctuary is where your heart meets his where our hearts meet together. And here's the thing that we got to wrestle with in Vancouver in the 21st century. The only way your heart can fully be there is if your treasure is there too. Now, if you're a guest today, if you don't consider yourself a member of this house, I'm preaching to this house. There's a space that God is engaging us in and taking us deeper in what it means to bring our hearts to the house. But I pray that you're going to be blessed because of the word of God if, if this isn't your home, if this isn't your house. But I'm here to tell you that there is a return on your investment. And this is what needs to click today. There is an ROI. Because the blessing that is found in the sanctuary is the blessing that's going to transform the world. Ezekiel 47. Every month, they'll bear fresh fruit because the river from the sanctuary flows to them. And their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Wherever the river flows, life will flourish. Wherever the river flows, life abounds. Can I preach? The river flows from the sanctuary. It flows from the place where God's heart meets his people's heart. There's no other way about it. This is the vision that he has for his temple. Water will flow from the sanctuary, and the water flows from the bellies of those who know him and believe him. Where is your treasure? Do you believe that this formula from God in his church can transform the world? Yes or no? then give everything you have to it. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you believe that this is God's plan for your family, for your heart, for the nation, for the world, then the people of God need to bring their hearts to it. There's no other solution. There's no other way. It is the sanctuary, the place where God and his people meet. Wherever the river flows, it will flourish. But you and I have to make the connection. The freedom for you means freedom for the world around you. And it can only come from the place that you dwell in his presence.
the sanctuary. Meaning everywhere we go is influenced by the place that we meet him. Every word you speak in the business realm is influenced from the place you meet him. Every idea that you bring to the world is influenced from the place that you meet him, from the sanctuary. Every word you speak will be healing to the ears that hear it because of the place that they come from, the sanctuary. If you don't think this is blessing, then you're in the wrong business. This is the blessing that God wants to move in and through you to touch the world. But where it comes from is where? The sanctuary. The place where God and his people meet. This is why the church matters. This is why what we're doing matters. Because the deposit he makes when we bring our hearts will change the world. But it isn't until we recognize that this is the solution. This is not just a fun thing we do on Sundays. This is us bringing our hearts, our possessions, our time, our treasure, our talent, because we know we were slaves and we set us free. He gave us all of this. Why not give it back to him? Do you know that God's presence in your life can touch and transform the world? We got to let the river flow. Every smile you give has the potential to transform the one who receives it. Because it was born in his presence. This is why the disciples in the book of Acts chapter 3, they say this. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. Stand up and walk. There's something that God wants to deliver through you to the world that is way greater than any possession that you can have. And here we are as the church worried about what's in our hands when God says, if you just knew where it came from, you would invest in something way greater than your bank account. Store up your treasures in heaven, the place where heaven meets earth. That will transform the world. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give to you. Do you think they were insecure about that? They had something way greater than anything money could buy. Team, you can come back up. Let me ask you a question today. Do you experience God's presence in a unique way when we come together? It's because this place has been built with hearts. Hearts laid at the altar. Make no mistake, it's not good music or fiery preaching or cool branding that's built this house. It's because our hearts and his heart have met in the same place. And we had to, over time, learn what it means to bring our hearts. Every fear, we had to bring it to the Lord. Every insecurity, we had to bring it to the Lord. Every ambition, every desire, every pain point, we had to learn how to bring it to the Lord. And anybody in this place? Anybody learn what that means in this house? 
That's why his presence comes and we feel it and we experience it. Because we brought our hearts to the place that he's designed for his heart. We had to learn what it means to experience freedom in certain areas of our lives. And we could only find that in his presence. Do you trust how good I am? Do you trust how faithful I am? Do you trust my provision? Do you trust my, my protection? Do you trust my wisdom? Okay, if you do, then bring me your brokenness. Bring me your pain. Bring me your ambition. Bring me your lack. Because when you bring those things, you bring your heart too. And when you bring your heart, my heart will meet you in that place. And that's the place of transformation. And from that place, rivers will flow. This place has been built by hearts. People have laid their money, their insecurities, their ambitions, their fears, their sexuality on the table. The desire for family and other things have been brought to the altar in this house. And I'm telling you, that is why God is here. It's because there's a value for the place of his presence. And when we value it, we bring all we are to it. And God is bringing us to a place of understanding now that freedom isn't just so we can feel good in a room. Freedom is so our lives can be transformed and everywhere we go and everything we touch experiences the river of God that came from the sanctuary. I'm carrying a word, listen. If you value his presence, then hold nothing back because it's the solution that the world needs. But he's not going around you, he's going through you. And there's so many people in this room that have brought their hearts and their pain. People that have had miscarriages, bring it to the altar. God, you've given me a dream. And I'm in pain right now, and I don't know if I could, but I will. Relationships, money. But friends, there's more. One year ago, I preached about this new space called the Altar Project. Oh, what's the big deal? A million bucks? No, it's not about the million bucks. It's about our hearts attached to it. God can snap his fingers like this and make it happen. No, he's taking us to the next level of what it means to bring our hearts to his sanctuary. I believe with everything I am here in my heart, Jesus, empower my words. I believe with everything I am that what God is doing here in this people will transform this city. Everything. I know what he's done in my heart in the place of his presence and now the conversations that I have behind closed doors. I know what he's done in my life, let alone the hundreds of people in front of me. The influence that you carry because of the place of his presence. The things that God wants to move through you to heal the world in your business, your ideas, your creativity. He's saying, do you think it came from me? Well, if yes, then bring it back to me. And let my presence be the thing that carries you and blesses the world. The people of God need to know again the value of the sanctuary. We're going into a basement in the middle of Vancouver. But it's not just a basement. It's a basement where the people of God bring their hearts. And his heart comes and meets there. And from that place, things change. 
Do you believe in what God has planned for his sanctuary? It's heaven on earth. Some people come in here and they're like, you're asking too much of me. I'm just asking for your whole heart. That's it. But I'm telling you, the return on investment on you giving him his heart will change and transform the world. Freedom is not just for your sake. It's for the sake of the world around you. Now, church, family, temple, sanctuary, we need to practice freedom so that the world can experience it through our lives. Can we say amen? Give your heart to his sanctuary and watch blessing flow through you to the world. That is the greatest blessing. And listen, this is the greatest inheritance I can give my kids. This is the greatest inheritance I can give my kids. A space where their dad's heart meets with heaven. Their mom's heart meets with heaven. Their uncles and aunties and families meets with heaven. That is the influence of heaven on earth. And my kids will grow up knowing what it's like to be in God's sanctuary. This is the greatest investment I can give my kids. This is the greatest investment I can make in life. How about you? Now let the record be clear. That's how this house will continue to be built. If that's too much for you, then it'll be uncomfortable. But I recognize, and I hope you recognize, that anything he's given us is just his favor when he set us free. I don't want to turn that into an idol. I want to turn that into worship. That's why Hans and Tiff are giving their daughter back to the Lord, because they recognize that she has come. And her name is heaven, paradise. It's 12.05. This is one of the most important messages I've ever preached to our church. This is God's vision for humanity. I believe that God will transform the school system through our church. I believe it. I believe that there's going to be a vision for education that's going to come from our church. I believe that God's going to transform how people handle money, that being the business realm in our city, through our church. I believe that solution will come via the presence of God for the downtown east side through our church. Skyscrapers, streets, and schools. I believe my kids will walk knowing the glory of God in their lives. And I thank God for every moment that was difficult to bring my heart to what he's doing here. He's, happy. he's got my heart. He can take all my money.
Jesus, we want to be part of your plan. been here in Vancouver for a couple months now, just seeking respite. Um, she's been a missionary in Guatemala um, and is still a missionary in Guatemala and is heading back this week. And we want to pray for her and we want to bless her as she goes. We've always sent her as a church. And so if you want to contribute and give to heaven on earth in Guatemala, you can do through do so through her life through the church. You can talk to her about that afterwards. But she, in fact, represents what God is doing here. Something born in his sanctuary that's not flowing out of his sanctuary to touch another nation. And it's not just money, although money matters. It's her heart that's been formed and shaped. And now heaven is going to meet earth through her life in that space. This is the river of God flowing from the sanctuary, flowing from the temple. What about your life? What about the space that you're in? So Emily, we bless you to go and be heaven on earth because you are a place that when you bring your whole heart to the Lord, God brings his whole heart to you. So we say what we see in Ezekiel, that the river in and through your life will be for nourishment and healing for that nation. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we bless her? Let's put our hands together. So if you want to give to what God is doing through her in Guatemala, she's leaving this week, go have a conversation with her and we can make that happen. Usually at this point, I'm like, let's get out of here. But listen, If your heart is compelled to say yes to his sanctuary, we got to respond. And as I said that we have brought our hearts and there's things that we have brought, there's room for so many more hearts, so many more things. But God is showing us what it means to bring our possessions with our heart. That there's some extravagant giving that's going to come from our people because we believe in the sanctuary not from outside from inside we could ask in a moment and money could come but God wants us built with hearts not with bank accounts and so if you believe in what God is doing search your heart in that space and you might feel like the thing that you've been gripping onto and holding on to for life is being asked from you right now but if you believe that his presence is the solution his presence is everything what is this Give it to him, and he's going to give you so much more in return. I'm going to, we're going to do something particular. If you feel like this space, the meeting of God's people in this space, has been one in which you've brought your heart to, I just want you to stand up and acknowledge that before the Lord together. And, and, and for those of you, I'll, I'll have more calls in just a second. But only stand up if this is true for you. Can we just close our eyes? 
Can you just tell him it was worth it? I brought my heart and I found yours in the same space. Jeremy, Rebecca, hold hands and say it was worth it. Lift your hands. Tell them. It's worth it. Sam, lift your hands. Tell them it was worth it. It's worth it. God is going to touch and transform this city through his church in Jesus' name. It's not going to happen around you. It's going to happen through you. So it is our job to practice freedom. It is for freedom's sake that you've been set free, but not just for you, for the world around you. And if you aren't standing yet, but you know that you want to and that God is releasing you from something, saying that, God, I want to give you more. I want to give you my heart. You can stand right now and just say, God, I'm bringing everything I got. It's now time. And if you're standing... Can you just say, Jesus, you can have it all. You can have it all. if you're willing only if you've made the connection Jesus I will invest everything I have into your plan to the sanctuary I will bring my time I will bring my skills I will bring my money 